This is Entrepreneurs Get Visible, the podcast for people who want more impact, influence, and income. I'm Anna Parker-Naples, and I'll be sharing with you proven methods from leading entrepreneurs that help you get visible as an authority in your field. Because anything's possible when you get visible. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Entrepreneurs Get Visible Live. So I'm today joined by Penny Power, who I first came across at an event a couple of years ago when she was the keynote speaker. And Penny Power has had an incredible background in the online space and actually was one of the first movers and shakers in this online space quite a while ago now with her the foundation of the e academy which she grew with her husband thomas power and today we're going to be talking with penny who is not just penny power but she is penny power with an obe for her services to entrepreneurs which is frankly incredible We're going to be talking today about why business is personal and you can't separate your life, your goals, your ambitions, your mental and physical health from what you're doing in your business. So thank you so much for coming on the show today, Penny. Oh, that's so good. That's such a great, clear introduction. I love that. (laughs) Thank you. So, so Penny, we can see behind you, those of you who are watching live are able to see that Penny has a very bright book, which is called Business is Personal Behind You. I'd love to hear why that book came about. What's the story that you're sharing there? So, you know, it's, it's beautiful and shiny and gorgeous the way you introduced me. And I think that everybody has sort of their identity and it's great. You know, it's sort of it boosts you, blows smoke up your bottom, you know, it makes you feel great. Um, and sometimes that's how we manage our brands online. You know, we show that, you know, we don't want to look like victims of life. So we show the shiny side of things. But I actually feel, you know, this whole world of compare and despair, where, you know, people can't help but go online, even those who've got quite strong self-esteem. And so notice what other people are doing and sort of comparing themselves and our journey uh, ourselves financially and and through some emotional traumas haven't been hasn't been that easy but to the outside world you know there's thomas and penny and their three kids and the holidays and her obe it looked really shiny and i just felt it was time for me to so for someone to step up i suppose and say look this is the reality because i felt that the trouble is if if this if there's a line of normal how everybody is and then there's exceptional above that. But if, if a lot of people feel they're below normal, to become exceptional, you've got to move through that normal. And I was talking to a lot of people in, in, and including myself and thinking that mental well-being, the, the mental fitness that we have to have, the rough rides as well as the, the high moments, if we could just normalise that a bit, then if we all start at normal, then getting to exceptional is much easier place to get to. And so I decided to... Share it all, bear it all. And I think I think you're right in that often a high achievers, we don't share the moments where our back is against the wall, whether that's yeah. personally, professionally, mentally. We might talk about it afterwards, but not in the moment. So it can yeah. appear rosy. Did you feel after being given your o- OBE that there was more pressure on you to perform in a particular way? That's a brilliant question, that is. The thing is, when the OBE was came through to us, which was in November 2013, so it was in the New Year's Honours list, so it's a big secret when you get awarded it, you have to keep it very quiet. It was only just over a year from when our business, which we'd cherished and loved for 14 years, had had to leave us. 
And it was a very traumatic three years leading up to that point. So from 2009 to 2012. And so that year after it, not only did we go into quite a lot of financial trauma and quite severe trauma, we also really lost our identity and didn't know what anchor to cling to. But there, you know, nobody really knew the full story behind it. And only if people reached out to us and asked us, we were always very transparent. So there was a real sense of self, lack of self-worth and, and internal validation of ourselves. Because when you work for something for 14 years and really built something quite incredible and trailblazed and also been placed on a bit of a pedestal yeah. um, by the media and around the world as speakers and things, to suddenly lose all that and lose your identity, which a lot of people will be experiencing that through this period. It has to affect you. It, it can't not affect you. You know, you can't put, so, particularly when you're building a family business as well, you're building it with your husband yeah, around your yeah, children and yeah. you've been doing it 14 years, really at the front of that tidal wave of people exploring what the online business world meant. Yeah. Um, you know, you were creating a community with Academy, as I understand it, way before there were things like Facebook and yeah, Facebook. Absolutely. So you were and really LinkedIn. Yeah, yeah, before was, all of those things. Yeah. So what happened? So when the OBE came, so just to answer that, I think it was just the most incredible sense of validation. And and my daughter, who's twenty eight now, she's a fantastic girl and supports me a lot. She used to say to me, "Mom, I don't understand why you don't feel." And more sense of self-worth and achievement but we all we all tend to see our achievements by our bank balance it's you know it's the way it is and when you lose your home and life changes really radically you don't realize that you're still a useful brilliant person in a way because you judge yourself by that and so that validation was very special and it was also validation of the members as well because you know I can remember first 10 members that joined in 1999 that believed in the idea when we launched you know it's the members that make a community and I felt like I was picking it up for them and definitely I was picking up for my husband I mean really he should have he should have got the OBE for the incredible way that he built Academy around the world. And that's Mm. something that you really do champion that business really is about personal connection that it is about the relationships that you build along the way at what point do you think you realize that? I think I've always been very emotionally driven all my life. Depth of relationship with people has always been very important and honesty and integrity and transparency. Those things in business have always been incredibly important to me from when I joined the IT sector when I was 19. I think it was very interesting watching people build their brand within Academy because we were, you know, we had this helicopter view and also massive responsibility for the culture of the community. And so, you know, when we introduced the idea of being able to blog and we taught people what a web blog was, you know, we're talking about, you know, nobody else was doing blogging really. And we were, we introduced a blog onto our, onto our community. It was very interesting watching people, they could burn very fast in those environments or those that took a slower, calmer attitude to how they built depth in their relationships. And I think it's interesting, even now, sort of 22 years on, you know, I've just got quite close to a lead generation person and I actually was advocating him and was doing quite a lot to to support him because um, he sp- spoke well about the subject. But it, but in haste, and I introduced him to some of my clients, in haste, he's done a very good, very bad job because he, he was looking, focused on the transaction rather than long-term value he would give that client. 
And it, I see this often with people in the online world where they see an opportunity to make money and they burn themselves very fast. And I think Thomas and I... They don't deliver. Yeah, they, they don't deliver. They, they don't have the integrity. They overwhelm themselves with work and therefore don't have time to deliver the closeness. Thomas and I, you know, integrity and reputation has always been really important to us. Um, I, I, you know, I, can't, I couldn't bear somebody to think badly of me. I don't know whether that comes from ego or just a real deep sense of conscientiousness and integrity. So I think the online world is threatened by what looks like, you know, I'll do this course, I'll, you know, I mean, look at what you're doing with podcasting. It's phenomenal helping people to build their podcast. But I know the clients that you love working with were the ones that really have a message, really are committed to it. Mm-hmm. It's not some short-term marketing plan. It's part of their part of who they become. Um, and, and it's it's part of finding their identity. I got a bit emotional yeah. on, a, on a sales call yesterday, a discovery call, because I realized that what we were going to create with this lady wasn't about, can she get a quick buck in her business? Yes, yeah. that could probably happen. But she was creating a legacy that right now she's not taking those first steps towards. And so I see our job as partnering to make that transition happen. One of the things I, I want to shout out really, Penny, uh, which I'd like you to talk a little bit about is your Facebook community, which I was actually brought into by a couple of people in that group who said, actually, you, you definitely need to be in this space. And the welcome that I got from not just you and Thomas personally, but also from other members of the group, I think was quite unique in the online space. And I think that says a lot about the level of community that you build. So could you just talk about that free community that you have? Yeah, this is a really interesting subject. Thomas and I aren't academics. We've done community for 22 years and we've experienced the highs and lows of it. And so there aren't many things that I feel that I could be an authority on, but this is one thing that I feel I can be. And there is this big push for free. So if you look at what goes around comes around, the the cycle of life. We're now, we, Thomas and I, in, in the cycle of 22 years of running community. So we've gone and we've seen the cycles. Mm-hmm. And the Academy was born 22 years ago with really deep sets of values around friendship and around the long-term attitude towards getting to know people. And even 22 years on, it is amazing how many people. I got an email last night from an 85-year-old, which made us as a family cry about how he joined Academy, the impact it had on him in his 60s. He's now 85. He's actually terminally ill. And he wanted to make sure that he thanked us before oh, he passed on. It was, that, that has meaning, doesn't it? That yeah, it's a, real, it's a really beautiful thing. So we built the foundations of something that hopefully those that were in it have carried on those values into Facebook and LinkedIn because the habits formed in the early days where we really believed that we were creating, you know, you had MySpace, you had Friends Reunited. Why don't we create a beautiful community for business people to be friends? It's our, it's it's our legacy in the world. It, and that's why it was so painful when the Academy came to an end. But the reason Academy came to an end is we believed, and I still believe to this day, is that when you make a financial commitment to something, you are committed to it. You're not just there to take from it. You are committed to the experience. But the free world won. It's what destroyed Academy. People saying, Facebook, LinkedIn saying, you can use these machines for free and you've got 3 billion people or whatever using it actively on Facebook. And I commend them. I, I use them. I think they're phenomenal. I use Facebook to run a private group and, and the group you talk about. And I use LinkedIn a lot to reach out to new experts. So I'm not bitter about anything here. What I feel is the great sadness in it is that we have become lonelier and lonelier in it's this true. world. 
So there are, I do a business health check on my website. It's, it's called the Business Personal Business Health Check. 42 yes, no questions. And I've been doing it since February. And so, you know, I don't push it a lot, but about over 900 people have taken it. And I do a webinar on a, on a Wednesday once a month to people that have taken it to, to dig deeper into it. Consistently, whether it was COVID or not, about between 60 and 65% of people say they are lonely in business. Now, in a very highly connected world, to be lonely in business seems really weird. It's, it seems amazing, doesn't it? But people aren't connecting deeply with one another and people aren't getting and experiencing the true values of a friendship. Somebody truly having your back where you can be honest with each other and you can feel welcomed. Now, ultimately, everybody wants to feel they matter. Everybody does. Belonging is such an important, it's such an important it's, thing. It I really is. Do you know um, Haslow's hierarchy of needs? Yeah. Must yeah. That same. yeah belonging absolutely. is number three. Once you've got yeah. that food and water and you've got shelter, yeah. belonging becomes the next important thing. And absolutely. It's all, right. it's all and, about and social media, but we're disconnected. We're disconnected. And what's interesting about the hierarchy and real advocate of that, I'm glad you brought that up, is that self-esteem and self-worth comes above it. You can't really get a sense of self-esteem and self-belief until you have that sense of belonging. Mm. But what has happened with this broadcast world of just getting known and getting loads of likes and is people are almost bypassing that sense of belonging, going straight to self-esteem, and they're leaving a gap. And it's a big, big bloody gap to leave in your life. So what Thomas and I have always wanted to do is to validate people and say, you matter. Your presence in this community matters. Now, whether people use that appropriately or not is what is interesting. And so we have this free community of over 3,000 people. And then we have launched earlier in the autumn, in October, we launched BIP 100, which stands for Business Personal 100. And we've decided, no, our values are about paying for something. It qualifies people in. It does. It, it qualifies that. people to commitment. It, it absolutely means people show up. They do the work for themselves because there is some money on the table. I've seen that myself. We can be in a million different Facebook groups, but we don't actually participate until we have some skin in the yeah. game. Like I say yeah. to you, I thought your, your Facebook group was wonderful, but because I'm in other places, yeah. you can't be everywhere at once. Well, Could you just just tell us what the you mentioned bip 100 which is your yeah. your your new paid membership yeah. is the facebook community going to continue and what's the name of it or is well, that going <laughs> so the facebook community is businesses personal with thomas and penny uh, make friends with our friends but the reality is thomas and i have a capacity you know and we've got a brilliant business support lady that works with us and i've got other freelance people that help us but i want to have a relationship with people that's me uh, that's me. Uh, that's if you did my psychometric profiling. I'm not in Big is Beautiful. And in fact, Academy, when we came up with the idea, we never realized it was going to become what it became. Mm. You know, that I got to know the first thousand members intimately. So did Thomas. It exploded. Okay. So we've gone back to the roots of actually, if we want to deeply know 100 people and deeply care for them and, and deeply refer them and talk about them in the market. And also curate the right people, which takes mm -hmm. hours. I mean, Thomas and I spend 30 hours a week on Zoom calls with people who apply to check that if they spend this money, and it's £249 a month, but so if they commit this money into it, are we going to make a difference to their lives? Because that's very important to me on my conscientiousness radar. And also, what will they contribute into the community? Do they have time? Do they have the values to say, I'm interested in everybody else as well? 
So what's happened with the free community is that we've just not had the capacity to go into that community and nurture it and do what we want to do. So actually, it's not becoming a reflection of our values anymore. And I put a post up, which is pinned to the top of that community, saying we think we might have to close it. Now, what's really interesting is we've had about 150 people say, please don't close it. Please don't get rid of it. This really makes a difference to me. And now we're thinking, well, we're just going to chop it right back then to those 150 people. Mm. Because the other people are lurking. They're not contributing. And some of them, sadly, this year have become very political very shouty about the world. I want people to step into a positive place, not mm. somewhere where we debate and argue over Brexit or debate and argue over the COVID crisis. And this is about supporting and loving one another. So there must be other groups they can do that in. And yeah, so absolutely. we've lost control of the culture and we can't do that. I can't have my name against something where the culture has. But I know with the Academy, once you get big to maintain a culture is so hard. And I started to experience the repeating pattern, which is the form of insanity of what happened with the Academy. With the Academy, when we started having to take down people's content or block them, we got trolls. And that's I've not got, what you're here for. That's no, not I've got two to people me. that are you trolling said. me again and angry with me. And right I'm now. Thinking, yeah. And I think, well, what have I, why, why? Why are you doing this? Please allow me my values. You know, be an asshole somewhere else. And this is you really know. interesting because before we started this conversation today, I said, what's the thing you really want to be known for? And you said, it's my values. You said, it's my values. It's about being seen and doing and having integrity around the things that matter to me. Yeah. And, and that's love and kindness. My values are love, kindness and family. And family, you know, I project that within my family. Obviously, we've got a very close yeah. family but also into the community of people. That If I am running the most enormous dinner party online, I have to know that people are enjoying it and being treated well by one another. Because they're under your wing in your house. Yeah. And I love this. I love this concept. So I, saw, I don't know if it was on LinkedIn or on your website. I saw that you and your husband in, in the normal world, which hopefully is coming back to us, you regularly host a dinner party where you bring yeah. together business owners who would never normally meet and host yeah. them. And that's yeah. such a nice idea. It's such yeah, a nice well, it is, it is that make friends with your friends. It's, you know, let's think about the dating, the online dating world. You come into contact with complete strangers. What's interesting is Facebook have now introduced dating and it's going to be friends of your friends. There is something around the safety net mm. of it being your, you know, if, if they're friends with Penny and Thomas and we like Penny and Thomas and we trust Penny and Thomas, then maybe this is a little bit of a safer network. But this is why the, referrals work so well, yeah. isn't it? So this is why you want to have trust in the people that you recommend. You want to have mm -hmm. trust in them because it, it does reflect on you. And that's what you're describing is that when you nurture those relationships and deepen those relationships, there's trust all over the place and, the, and, and that sense of loyalty. Yeah. I mean, this fake world, Like I get asked all the time, could you endorse my book? Could you buy it from 99p and put me to number one? And I have a real struggle with it because I'm joining a fake world to do that. I haven't read that book. And if I'm going to have to read a book, that is a massive commitment in time to do that. In the same way, when I endorse someone anywhere, they are genuine endorsements. They're not just because I know this person, I'm going to say they're good because People come to me and say, do you know an SEO expert? Do you know a podcast expert? Do you know this person? And unless I've really got close to them and I've experienced their values, either firsthand by absorbing them as a supplier or with somebody who has absorbed them as a supplier, 
I don't feel I can give a genuine referral. And I got caught out this year by this where I had an expert come into our mastermind group, did a brilliant expert session, taught us Facebook advertising, huge value in that in that um, two hours. I paid them. I always pay okay. experts for their time. I paid them to come. But this person walked away with £25,000 worth of business from the room, right? He sent me a lovely hamper from Fulton Masons to thank me. I, I don't take affiliate money. So he, he thanked me with a nice hamper. But three of those five clients were massively let down. Now, I hadn't ex- truly experienced the product they went on to buy. And I really feel labored about this. And I've talked it through in detail with these people. They don't hold me responsible. They said the product you gave us was the Facebook advertising and all of that. You didn't endorse this person for the other stuff. So they've let me off the hook. But for me, my values and my integrity, I lost those people £5,000 by that introduction. It's very upsetting to me. And that's why building and nurturing and sustaining relationships is so important. And what we see in the online world, particularly with the, the growth over the last two or three years, and particularly since COVID hit, is that lots of people are kind of popping up very quickly, establishing online relationships, but there's there's no depth. There's no depth to it. And I think that becomes kind of not dangerous, maybe a little bit dramatic. Well, it's but... deceitful. It's deceitful. And I think each of us have to be that change and live by the values that we believe in. Now, there are a lot richer people than me in the online world. And Thomas and I have suffered so much financially, but we've got enough. We're climbing our way back from major financial and some family traumas that happen. But I live with myself and I live with Thomas and I and the children. And and when I close my eyes on the world, whether it's tomorrow or in 30 years, I have to know that I didn't deliberately or deceitfully hurt anyone. Mm. And we're all responsible for that in the online world. And if we don't live by those values, our brand burns very quickly. And what is lovely is 22 years on, and I'm not saying this with any smugness, at all. But what is good 22 years on is I don't think anybody sees Thomas and I as bad people or people that have let them down. And if we ever have, then we've addressed it. One of the the comments, one of the comments that's just come through as we're doing this live is that Nicole says, you held your integrity by talking it through with those three people. So you have still retained your values in that situation. And that says a lot. Now, one of the things I do want to discuss with you today is the fact that you're kind of a, a champion for the impact on mental health that social media has. And this is something you were talking about before the massive meteoric rise that we've had in terms of Facebook and LinkedIn now and, and how often not only us, but our children are now on social media. Tell me about why you think it matters then for us to be taking ownership of what's happening in terms of mental health and social media. Yeah, that's a really wonderful question. So if I just give a quick summary so people understand why mental fitness is very important to me. So Thomas and I worked extremely hard on Academy and we also worked very hard on our family. And we all know anybody who's a parent, how much that how hard work that is. And in 2007, when we really had to reinvest in the business, we had to start looking at how we were going to pivot it because Twitter and Facebook and LinkedIn were starting to have a bit of impact. We sold our house, we went into a rental property and we thought, you know, Barclays were going to buy Academy. There was other things that were going on. So there was a lot of opportunity for exits. And then the banking crisis happened, Barclays didn't buy it. There were a lot of journeys. And in chapter two of my book, not in a victim way, but I do share 
being broken. I call it chapter two being broken because A, I want people to understand I relate to stuff, but B, it was how did I handle that? Because we all are going to have broken moments and I wanted to share that and what I learned through it. But we also went on to having some family traumas. I'm very close to my sisters, my brother, my parents. My mum got dementia. We all know, you know, it's very much in the in news headlines now. When you live with a mother with dementia, it's a very slow, sad death. And I was three miles away from my parents. A lot was on me. My sister had a her daughter. I was 20 when her daughter was born. Her babe, her was the first baby I loved. She got married and then died very suddenly of cancer within eight weeks of diagnosis. Then my brother got pancreatic cancer and died within six weeks. And then Hannah, our daughter, when she was 24 and was doing really well up in London and living an independent life, went skiing. And I got a 5.30 call in the morning from the hospital um, saying she'd been brought in by ambulance and police and she'd been abducted by three men off a road and raped. All of this was going on while Thomas and I were really massively keeping that strong identity in the market to pay down two and a half million pounds worth of personal debt that we had accrued because we were determined not to go bankrupt. We couldn't stand as a business person if we went bankrupt, in my mind. I wanted to know that we'd paid it down. So we were working excessively hard on lots of different things. So my intentions in the world is to love people through pain. And so I was giving a lot out. I was expecting a lot of myself and a lot of women and men do this. And I wore a badge of honour, which is, gosh, look, I'm really okay. I'm surviving this. I'm okay. I mean, you remember you saw me two years ago. I'd only had a gallbladder operation four days previously when I had committed to a speaking Mm -hmm. thing and thought I've got to show up to that because people are expecting me there. So I've always put myself under a lot of pressure, but ultimately something's going to go. And I had a big shock in November 2017 where I was delivering a keynote to about 40 people. And for some reason, the faces in the room started to morph into trolls from my past. Another unresolved pain that I had just tried to cope with. And being trolled, when not many other people were being trolled, it wasn't yeah, even a term. They weren't even called trolled at the time. It's hideous. It's absolutely hideous. It was very personal. It was very destructive. It was absolutely horrendous what these people did. And this was happening. So I had what then was diagnosed as a PTSD experience. And I went to a psychologist. And in that, I discovered how badly I was treating myself. And I really discovered the difference between mental health and mental fitness. So mental health is like physical health. Are you healthy? So you could say, I could say, yeah, I'm physically healthy. I could run down the drive. I eat well. My back's okay. You know, I'm physically healthy, but am I physically fit? Could I do all the things I want to do? You know, we moved house two weeks ago. You know, it took me a week for my back to recover. I wasn't physically fit enough for stuff. It's the same with mental fitness and mental health. I am mentally healthy. You know, I'm not depressed. I'm not, you know, I'm not, I've not got any diagnosis of a mental health problem. Am I always mentally fit enough for this world? And that's the thing I discovered. Because these traumas hadn't made me necessarily mentally unhealthy, I wasn't treating myself with enough respect to be mentally fit enough. And what that meant was my resilience was lower. I was triggered easier. My boundaries were gone. I didn't know how to protect myself anymore. I felt overwhelmed very quickly because I took on too much. So I wasn't applying any mental fitness routines to my life. And that's what I discovered. And that's a lot of what I want write about in my book. I didn't have enough self-awareness around what my true character and personality were and where were the areas that I needed to respect myself better. And, and that's felt very indulgent. But for nine months, I threw myself into it, spent time with a psychologist. And when I was sitting in that psychologist's room, after about three weeks, I said, 
everything we're talking about here is this pretty normal really and she laughed and she said yeah it's very normal you are normal and I said well I want five million small business owners in the room with me yes you need to know they do so then I wrote my book and that's um because business is very personal it's on audible it's just been put yeah. on spotify amazing so what i love about that penny is that you're sharing that you can have to the outside world shiny exteriors you can have clearly a very strong marriage. Doesn't mean a marriage is perfect every single day, but but you can have a strong marriage. You've got children; they're adults now. You've had you know very public praise for what you're doing, but that doesn't mean that life things don't come at you and that they don't hurt you when they happen. And it's normal to have wobbles, and it's normal to have intense pressure, and then have the after effects through trauma. And trauma can come in all sorts of shapes and sizes. But what you've taken from that is the decision, actually, that not only have you gone through something and experienced something, but you now realise that actually you can help more people with this. And that's what you've put into your book. Yeah. So then one of my final questions to you then, Penny, is for someone who's listening to this, and many people listening to this podcast are earlier stage entrepreneurs. So maybe they have been in the entrepreneurship space for maybe one, two, three years. They're coaches, they're speakers, they're using the social media to build a brand. From your decades of experience now in building your business, what do you most hope people realize about what they need to do to maintain stability? A brilliant question. Well, First of all, I think that people really need to understand what is driving them deeply, you know, and this is great coaching stuff, I know, but you know, what really deeply drives you and we pick up habits of that. So what drove me in my 20s, different to what drove me in my 30s and 40s when I was a mum and had all sorts of other responsibilities, what's driving me in my 50s is very different, which is why I've redesigned my life around well, what should drive me now? What gives me my sense of happiness now? What's driving? What do I need now? So I do think you need to really think about what's driving you to begin with, because there is this conveyor belt that entrepreneurs get onto, which is almost they've they've not actually rationalized themselves why they are working as hard as they're working or what they're what they're doing it for. I talked to a 31-year-old who read my book and asked for a, to meet me and he came to Farnham and we had a coffee. And I went off to the loo and I said, before I, um, he told me, you know, he had a wife, three children, his mortgage we paid off in five years. So by the time he was 36, he had holidays. Life was absolutely brilliant, but he was suffering depression. He said, I feel really low. His business was doing 70,000 a month and he had retained clients and he could see a cash flow going into month 10, right? So nothing, there was no fear, no scarcity in there. So as I went off the loo, I said to him, can you just tell me who you are benchmarking yourself against in life. What is it? When I came back, he was peeing himself laughing. And I said, why are you laughing? He said, I've never been asked that question, but I'm comparing myself with Mark Zuckerberg and Elon Musk. And the thing is that we get caught up in some of this stuff totally in our subconscious. Remember, our subconscious is 95% of our thoughts. Mm -hmm. They're driving our thoughts. So we don't realize how much we're programmed around what we're seeing, what we're looking at, what we feel we need to do. We're trying to keep up with people and just comparing ourselves before we've actually realized what is the life I want. And, and one who of the am most I? Who, and am who am I? I? Mm. Who am I? And what, yeah, exactly. So 
The other thing is that, you know, a lot of us, when we're building, we've talked about self-esteem and all that sort of stuff. Some of us don't really have enough self-worth and self-esteem and aren't internally validating ourselves enough for the brands that we're trying to create. So we're constantly feeling like an imposter and feeling like we're going to get caught out. And we end up using these tools just to try and become someone when actually deep down, we don't really believe we are. And so our confidence, it's very important to work on your own internal confidence and validation. I had somebody come to me to our master, join our mastermind. She joined our mastermind. She was running mastermind. She was charging £195 a month for a mastermind offline. She wants to charge more. And I, I, we're over three months in the mastermind, we discovered that actually she could charge £750. And she launched. And two months later, she had 10 clients paying her £750 a month. And a lot of that came from internal validation, constructing it properly, calming things down, properly thinking about what do I really need to achieve 10 clients, not mass, not volume. So sometimes we need to break our business down into what do we really need. Now, I know, and Thomas knows, that 100 clients would be phenomenal for our life, right? We can cash flow it. We can break it down. We know what we need to deliver to it. Mm. We keep ourselves accountable to it. A lot of the time in business, we just don't do that sort of stuff enough. Amazing. Penny, I have so loved talking with you today. Just such wealth of knowledge. And I think, as you say, your values and your integrity and your your sense that we have a responsibility as we're building these brands to let people see a little bit behind the curtain. Yeah. And, and I think that's really important. So thank you so much. And people go and find Penny's book, Business is Personal. Oh, and the quiz that you've mentioned, that's, is it pennypower.co.uk? It is, yeah. And there's, there's a little pink, pink, pink banner there if anybody wants to take it. Yeah, thank you. That's very kind of you, Anna. Well, thank um, you so much for listening. I hope that you've taken something from this and realised that all business you do is personal, whether that is looking after your own mental fitness or whether that is the relationships that you build. Make sure that you're building something that actually represents you because otherwise there will be a massive piece of disconnect and you won't be happy with what you built. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Thank you for listening to Entrepreneurs Get Visible. To get your free checklist on how to raise your profile and to find out about our community, go to annaparkernaples.co.uk forward slash get visible.